for us. So we'll go to Psalms chapter 9 tonight. Psalms chapter 9. <clears throat> I looked at the first half of this chapter last two weeks ago, I guess it is now, since Brother Bishop was here last Thursday. Um, so I want to look at Psalms chapter 9. I'm going to read ver- beginning at verse 10 where it says, And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. Sing praises to the Lord which dwelleth in Zion. Declare among the people his doings. When he maketh inquisition for blood, he remembereth them. He forgetteth not the cry of the humble. Have mercy upon me, O Lord. Consider my trouble which I suffer of them that hate me, Thou that liftest me up from the gates of death, that I might show forth all thy praise in the gates of thy daughter, the daughter of Zion, I rejoice in thy salvation. The heathen are sunk down in the pit that they have made, in the net which they have hid, they hid is their own foot taken. The Lord is known by the judgment which he executeth. Now think about that statement. The Lord is known by the judgment which he executeth. The wicked is snared in the work of his own hands. Again, Selah. The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. For the needy shall not always be forgotten. The expectation of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the heathen be judged in thy sight. Put them in fear, O Lord, that the nations may know themselves to be but men. <clears throat> Tile the message tonight. Making the Lord known. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity that we have to be assembled together tonight. Thank you for uh, the privilege we have to worship you. And I pray that our worship will be pleasing in the spirit and truth. And that you be glorified and lifted up. And might we gain some truths that will encourage us and strengthen us in our walk uh, with you here uh, and on this earth as we serve you. Uh, until the Lord tarry, till you tarry, you're coming. So, Lord, we just pray that you would meet with us, encourage our hearts, and strengthen us. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> you know, one of the difficulties in our culture the last 30 maybe years, 30 plus years, is how to make the God of the Bible known to a world that has a perverted knowledge of God. Now, it's not that they have no knowledge. I think it would be almost easier if they had no knowledge. But our Western culture has knowledge of God. In other words, they know some things about God. But the typical understanding of someone in a Western culture is God is love. He is not condemning or judgmental. He would never send anyone to hell. Think of it. A God of love sending people to hell? After all, he is loving and compassionate and caring. I mean, Jesus loved the children and he took them up in his arms and he blessed them. I mean, haven't you seen the loving pictures of Noah's Ark and how God took all those animals in the ark and saved all of them alive? Let's just forget about 
all the people that perished outside of but that's the impressions we get and that unfortunately is a lot of the message that a lot of people in Christendom in our western culture are getting about who God is but that's not the God of the Bible that is a very perverted view of the God of the Bible. And again, look at verse 16 in particular. It says, the Lord is known by the judgment which he executed. Now, I have two main points and some subpoints tonight. But first of all, God wants us to know him. You know, God wants everyone to know him. It's his will that everybody know him. Verse 10 says, And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. Of course, 1 John 5.13 says, These things, you know, we have a Bible that's been given to us. These things have been written unto you, that you may believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. See, God has given us his word so that we can gain knowledge from his word about him and come to know him in a personal and right way. Know who he is. Have a perfect or mature understanding of who God is. See, the problem in our society, our Western culture, is most people have a knowledge of God, but it's perverted. It's not according to the scriptures. They leave out the greatest attribute of God. The one that affects or determines all of his other attributes. And that's his holiness. His holiness. You know, God wants us to know him. Notice three things here from this passage. Knowledge produces trust. You notice again in verse 10 it says, And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. The word know here used in this context, according to Thayer's uh, lexicon, means it's often used of the will. So it has to do with the will. It means to turn the mind to something, to intend to, to investigate. So, you know, gaining knowledge is you're going to investigate something. And so it has to do with the will, the mind, learning something or investigating some truth, which will change your will, your desire. Your actions. Daniel 11.32 says, And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall, be, shall he corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. The people that do know their God. You see, knowledge produces trust in the living God. In Romans chapter 4, <clears throat> it says, For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now, the Bible repeats that statement three times. No, I shouldn't say it repeats it. It repeats it twice more. And again, in Galatians 3, 6 and James 2, 23, it says that Abraham believed God, and it was imputed or counted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Okay, his... Believing God, what did it produce in Abraham? 
Well, and, it, and if you read on in Romans chapter 4, verse 18, it says, Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead, was he about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform, and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness. So Abraham believed God, he put his trust in God and not in himself, and he acted on what God said. His knowledge of God caused him to act. It produced action in him. And we see this in other places in the Bible. For example, go to Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14. <clears throat> Knowledge produces trust. It, it's sort of like if, you know, there have been many, many uh, scientists who were unbelievers, evolutionists, who set out to prove creation a lie. To prove it. Only to be proven themselves liars and have to come to the conclusion that creation is true. Um, but again, Numbers 14, verse 6, and you know, if you investigate God, you're going to come to some, you're going to have to come to some conclusions. Uh, Numbers 14, 6 says this, And Joshua the son of Nun, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes, and they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then, notice, he will bring us into this land and give us, it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel ye not against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us, their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. And, of course, the people took up stones to stone them. So they wandered 40 years in the wilderness. Fast forward to Joshua chapter 14. Joshua chapter 14. And 40 years later, one man is still hanging on to that promise. One man is still trusting in his God. Forty years later, verse 6, Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Canaanite said unto him, Thou knowest the thing the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of thy people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swear in that day, saying, Surely the land... Wherein thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. Now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. And yet I am as strong this day as the day that Moses sent me, as my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakins were there, that the cities were great and fenced. If so be that 
the Lord will be with me. Then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord has said. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, Hebron for an inheritance. In Acts chapter 27, you remember when Paul was on the ship and they were tossed in the sea. And they hadn't seen the sun for many days. Paul stands up and says, Sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God. It shall be even as it was told me. And what was told him was, not a hair of any of those, not any of those heads on that boat will perish. All will be saved. So he said, take meat and eat. For I believe God. You see, knowledge produces trust. Produces trust. Knowledge of God also produces worship. In Psalms chapter 9 again, in verse 11, it says, <clears throat> Sing praises to the Lord, which dwelleth in Zion. Declare among the people his doings. Sing praises to the Lord. Worship him. The word worship means to honor, to reverence. You know, of course, you know, a lot of positions of worship are bowing before. Somebody has said the word worship can be divided into worth-ship. In other words, he's worthy of our worship. Uh, instances, instances in the Bible where people worship Christ, you know, they bowed, they fell at his feet. Revelation 1, we know that there John fell at his feet when he appeared there after the resurrection. Of course, when, when uh, uh, Cornelius fell before Peter in Acts chapter 10, what did Peter do? Peter said, stand up. I myself am also a man. Barnabas and Paul and Lystra did likewise. You know, you see, but see, it's the knowledge of God that produces worship. Psalm 29 verse 2 says, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Psalm 45:11 So shall the king greatly desire thy beauty for he is thy lord and worship thou him. Psalm 66:4 All the worst were or the I'm sorry all the earth shall worship thee and shall sing unto thee they shall sing to thy name. Selah. Psalm 95:6 and verse 9 says O come let us worship and bow down let us kneel before the Lord our maker. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness fear before him all the earth. And in Matthew 2, 2, when the wise men came to Jerusalem to, to, uh, to see the Lord, they said, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and, and have come, are come to worship him. And of course, Hebrews 1, 6 says, and again, when he bringeth in the first begotten in the world, he said, let all the angels of God worship him. And Revelation 10 or 4.10 tells us the four and twenty elders fell down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy is the lamb. Uh, so knowledge of God, when we come to an understanding of who God is, it'll cause us to worship him, to reverence him, to fear him, to fear him. Knowledge also produces declaration of him. Notice verse 11 again. It says, Sing praises the Lord which dwelleth in Zion. Declare among the people his doings. 
when you learn something new that is good, beneficial, can be revolutionary or life-changing, what's your first reaction? Besides, you want to get it. You want to tell everybody else about it, right? You want to tell everybody else about it. I have to tell, you know, X, Y, Z. I tell everyone about this. You learn something that is liberating, life-giving, life-changing, that totally transforms your life, gives purpose and meaning to life, and hope for the future. Are you going to keep your mouth shut? You know, that's why it's called the gospel which means good news. It's good news. You know, the interesting, I was thinking about this today, and I was just trying to, I know my memory isn't real great at times, but I was just trying, but it's easy to remember things from years ago. Uh, I was trying to remember all, you know, all the years I've been saved, ever hearing anyone say, I wish I'd never gotten saved. Did you ever hear anybody say that? Now, I have heard people say, I wish I'd never gone to church there. And that sometimes I can understand. But I have never heard anybody say, I wish I'd never gotten saved. Never. You see, knowledge of God produces a declaration of him. Of course, not everybody wants to hear it. Notice, you know, why would we want to tell people about our God? Well, let's look at a couple things here. Number one, God remembers our afflictions. Notice verse 12 through 14. When he maketh inquisition for blood, he remembereth them. He forgetteth not the cry of the humble. Have mercy upon me, O Lord. Consider my trouble which I suffer of them that hate me. Thou that liftest me up from the gates of death. That I may show forth all thy praise in the gates of the daughter of Zion. I will rejoice in thy salvation. You know, why would I want to tell God, uh, tell people about my God? Because God remembers us in our afflictions. God remembers those who suffer. Do you, you ever get into trouble, some trouble, and your so-called friends all of a sudden forsake you? If you're one of God's children... And you suffer for it, you can count on one thing. God will never forsake you. God will remember you. God doesn't forget. And when it says here that he maketh inquisition for blood. The word inquisition means to vindicate, punish, 
to avenge, especially to require blood from anyone, i.e. to avenge murder. You know, God doesn't forget. You know, man may sometimes think he does, but God doesn't forget when one of his own blood is shed. You know, in Genesis chapter 9, of course, this is when God instituted the, the death penalty. Genesis 9, 5, he says, Surely your blood of your lives will I require. At the hand of every beast will I require. At the hand of every man, at the hand of every man's brother, will I require the life of a man. And you remember when uh, uh, Joseph's brethren wanted to kill him, but uh, Reuben interceded for him. And, uh, and Reuben said this. This is what Reuben said. Reuben answered him, saying, Spake I not unto you, saying, Do not sin against Joseph. Now, this is actually when they're standing before Joseph. And the interesting is, Joseph's listening to all this. And here these guilt-ridden brethren are years later, and they're still ridden with guilt of what they did. And they're talking about all this stuff that they did to Joseph, you know, and, and, and they think this affliction is coming on them that, uh, because of what they did to Joseph. And, and Reuben says, Didn't I say unto you, Do not sin against a child, and you would not hear. Therefore, also, his blood is required. See, God doesn't forget you. He doesn't forget you. Some of the people thought of killing Jeremiah because of the things he prophesied. But Jeremiah reminded them, Jeremiah 26, 15, Know ye for certain that if you put me to death, ye shall bring innocent blood upon yourselves. And upon this city and upon the inhabitants thereof, for of a truth the Lord has sent me to speak all these words in your ears. You know, the Jews have greatly suffered through the years since the crucifixion of Christ. But do you remember what they said? Let his blood be upon us and upon our children. Upon our children. And their affliction is to bring their iniquity to an end. It's not full yet. Tribulation period is going to be worse than what they've seen yet. You see, God remembers. God, God doesn't forget. He doesn't forget. He honors those of humble spirits. Again, notice in verses, verse, the end of verse uh, 12, it says, He forgetteth not the cry of the humble. Um, if you drop down to verse 18, he says, For the needy shall not always be forgotten. The expectation of the poor shall not perish forever. Uh, and I think the idea of humility here, he's talking about those who do not seek to avenge themselves. You know, we aren't to avenge ourselves. You know, Romans 12, 19 says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place in the wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. You know, in 1 Samuel 24, 12, we see an example of that, where 
where David said to Saul, The Lord judge between me and thee, and the Lord avenge me of thee, but mine hand shall not be on thee. In Revelation 6, 9 through 11, it says, And when they opened the fifth seal, I saw on the altar of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. So, God says to them, I will avenge your blood. And God will. But we're not to seek vengeance. You know, with all the evil the deranged left is doing nowadays, the harassment, you know, Sarah Sanders is a good example of this. Should we do that in return? Is that, how we, is that how we take care of it? Do we, do we seek to right our wrongs on our, ourselves? Or would it be true, as Paul said, that some say, let us do evil that good may come? <laughs> Again, go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. See, our God will avenge he will make in inquisition for blood. Romans chapter 12. And I'm not saying, you know, we're supposed to just uh, let people run over us. And that's, that's not the point here. But, you know, we're not to, to, to do unto people as they do unto us. For example, you know, Sarah Sanders did the right thing. She just left. Just left the restaurant when she was asked to leave. Um, now there's others who are taking things into their own hands and protesting outside the restaurant, but, um, you know, I guess the owner gets what's coming to her, but, but anyway, I'm not saying that's the right thing to do, but it says here in Romans 12, 17, recompense to no man evil for evil, provide things honest in sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto the wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him, if he thirsts, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. See, we're not to, we're not to uh, do wrong because other people do wrong to us. You know, there are a lot of people that have been put to death because of their faith in Christ. Should have they taken up war and become vigilantes at night and just gone and seeking the life of those who were doing that? Some people think that's a good idea. That's what we ought to do. No, that's not what we ought to do. That's not the right thing to do. We don't commit crime because somebody else is committing crimes against us. <coughs> You know, a preacher one time that broke into a lady's house looking for evidence of something he was sure she was guilty of. Which she was guilty of it, we find out. But breaking into her house to find out? 
No. No, we need to let God. You see, God, God does honor those who are obedient, who are humble before him, will, will obey his word fully. And God does remember our afflictions. But then note, I want you to notice then verse 16, God is known by his holiness. Notice verses 15 through 20 again. The heathen are sunk down in the pit that they made, in the net which they hid is their own foot taken. And when I read that verse, what came to mind was in 2 Timothy 2, where it says that the that, 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 uh, servant of the Lord must not strive, but gentle unto all men act, teach. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. You know, it says here, the heathen are sunk down in the pit that they made. People that, people that are against God are digging their own grave, if you will. They're digging their own hell. You know, as we clearly understand, people are sending themselves to hell. God isn't sending them there. It's their choice. So they are sunken down in the pit that they made, and the net which they hid is their own foot taken. The Lord is known. Notice again this phrase. The Lord is known by the judgment which he executeth. The wicked is snared in the work of his own hands. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. For the needle shall not always be forgotten. The expectation of the poor shall not perish forever. Arise, O Lord, let not man prevail. Let the heathen be judged in thy sight. Put them in fear, O Lord, that the nations may know themselves to be but men. See, God is known by his holiness. By his righteous standard. And because God is holy, he must judge sin. So when we say that God is known, the Lord is known by his judgment... He's a God of judgment because he's a God of holiness. You know, this modern idea that God is love, you know, that's our modern idea. God is love. We don't want to be dogmatic or worse, be judgmental. You know, some people cringe if, if people would say, would say to them, you're judgmental. It used to bother me, but it hasn't bothered me in a long time. Because I've read in the Bible, in Proverbs, where it says, joy to the just to do judgment. And 1, Timothy, or 1 Corinthians 2.15 says, the spiritual man judgeth all things. And then Jude tells me, at the end of the book of Jude, it says that, um, that the, the sensual, um, these let me, let, me, let me look it up. I can't remember how it goes. These be they who separate themselves, sensual having not the spirit. In other words, it, those who cause divisions in the church are sensual. They're fleshly. And they don't have the leading of the spirit of God. And so those who, who, who make this cry... Oh, you're judgmental or you're dogmatic. You're too dogmatic. You know, you need to lay aside some doctrines and be, be so narrow-minded. They're sensual. That's what Jude's saying. They're sensual. They're not, 
contending for the faith. They're sensual. Have not the spirit. They don't have the leading of the spirit of God. The spirit of God leads us to investigate everything and to judge everything. Even my own life. You see, God is known by his holiness. Let's look at some, some scripture here. Go to Joshua chapter 2. Joshua chapter 2. <clears throat> Joshua chapter 2. Verse 1. I'm in Judges. Sorry. Joshua chapter 2. And verse 1, Joshua the son of Nun sent out a team, two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into a harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. Told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came in hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they be come to search out all the country. And the woman took the two men and hid them and said thus, There came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. Came to pass about the time of the shutting of the gate, when it was dark, that the men went out. Whither are the men went, I wot not. Pursue after them quickly, for ye should overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof of her house, and hid them with the stalks of flax, which she laid in a corner upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way of Jordan, to the forge, and as soon as they which pursued after them were gone out, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof, and she said unto them, I know that the Lord hath given you the land. And that your, what's the next word? Terror. Terror. Oh, the modern day Christendom would say, Oh, God's a God of terror. No, God's a God of holiness. And if you're going to live in sin, you can expect judgment. Judgment. See, God doesn't just let us do whatever we want like the modern-day parent does. I had to bite my tongue often when I'm out in public. I had to bite it yesterday. Took the boys over to Hill Ridge Farms. There was a little brat in the corn bin, and there was a big brat standing outside the corn bin which was his mother. <laughs> She's the bigger brat. I don't have a whole lot of patience with people like that. Anyway, he was spitting. You're not allowed to spit. He was putting corn in his mouth. You're not allowed to do that. And finally, the attendant told him, no, no, you're going to have to come out. And so his mommy said, you need to come out. And he pitched a little fit. Hmm my belt off but I didn't but anyway and mommy could not get him to come out he would not come out till the attendant told him he had to come out you see modern day parents is you let the child express themselves yeah anyway no the terror he said the terror is falling upon she said that all the inhabitants of the land faint in other words they're scared they are scared to death. By the way, that's what fear means. You that love the Lord, or, or 
uh, we're, we're to fear the Lord. Uh, notice it says, it goes on. It says, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what he did, notice, what he did under the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sinai and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither to remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now, notice what is very obviously missing. She did not say, we heard how loving your God is. She didn't say anything about God being God of love. She said, we heard of the terror. And our hearts melted. It means they were scared. They were scared. They were so scared that a bunch of men sitting outside the camp, having their foreskins cut off, kept them with their gates all closed up so no one could come in and out of the city. Now, a bunch of men with their foreskins cut off aren't going to do anything. I can assure you of that. They're no threat. The problem was they were afraid of God. See, it was his holiness. Go to chapter 9. Chapter 9. <coughs> Chapter 9, verse 3. It says, And when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done on Jericho and Ai, they did work wilily and went and made as if it had been ambassadors, took old sacks upon their asses and wine bottles, old and rent and bound up, and old shoes and clattered upon their feet, and old garments upon them, and all the bread of their provision was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua unto the camp at Gilgal and said unto him, to the men of Israel, we become from a far country. Now, therefore, make ye a league with us. And the men of Israel said unto the Hivites, Peradventure you dwell among us, and how shall we make a league with you? And they said unto Joshua, We are thy servants. And Joshua said unto them, Who are you? And from whence come ye? And they said unto him, From a very far country thy servants are come because of the name of the Lord thy God. For we have heard the fame of him and all that he did in Egypt and all they did to the two kings of the Amorites that were beyond Jordan, to Zion, king of Heshbon, to Og, king of Bashan, which was at Ashtaroth. Wherefore, our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spake to us, saying, Take bills with you for your journey, and go to meet them, and say unto them, We are your servants. Therefore, now make ye a league with us. Again, these guys were scared for their own lives. Look at 2 Samuel, chapter 7. 2 Samuel, chapter 7. Second <clears throat> Samuel 7, verse 22. This is actually uh, after David has given the promise of a sure house, and this is his worship and prayer. In response to that promise that was given him that he'd have a son sit upon his throne. 
In verse 22, it says, Wherefore thou art great, O Lord God, for there is none like thee, neither is any God beside thee, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And what one nation there is is like thy people, even like Israel, whom God went to redeem for people to himself, to make for him a name, and to do for you, do for you great things and terrible. For the land before thy people, which thou redeemest to thee from Egypt, from the nations and their God. For thou hast com confirmed to thyself thy people Israel to be a people unto thee forever, and thou, Lord, art become their God. In other words, again, he makes reference to all the things that he did to Egypt and their gods. Again, the modern idea of God is love. We don't want to be judgmental or dogmatic. What, you know, what does that really mean? What does that really mean? You know what I think it really means? Don't tell me the facts. Tell me what I want to hear. In other words, don't tell me the truth. I want to live in a bubble. I want to live in a fake world. I don't want reality. And that's the world we live in. They don't want to face reality. You know, truth is no respecter of persons. You know, Rush has often said, the cold, hard facts. They may seem cold, and they may seem hard. But they are the facts. And the fact is, God is a God of holiness. And that gives evidence to such a great love because a God of holiness yet would send his son to die for unholiness. But see, this is a truth the world don't want. But this is a truth that the Bible promotes over and over and over again. 1 John 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, with our hands of hand, our, which we have looked upon, our hands with hand of the word of life. Then verse 5 says, This then is the message we have heard of him, declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. God's perfectly pure. You know, what's the message in the beginning of Romans? Well, it's that Jesus Christ is declared to be the Son of God by the Spirit of holiness in Romans chapter 1 chapter 2 and chapter 3 you come to a very pointed conclusion if you're thinking at all that you and I that mankind is wicked and evil in the sight of God and that no, no man can be justified by the law of God. 
you know, chapter two starts out there, thou art therefore unexcusable, old man. <laughs> We're in trouble. God's a God of holiness. God's a God of holiness. If God is not holy, if he's not a judge, what do we need saved from? Why do we need a savior? You know, there's an interesting verse in Hebrews 12, 14. <clears throat> it says that without holiness, no man, last half of that verse says, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Now, the word holiness there is means the effect of consecration or sanctification of heart and life. So without the effect of holiness of God in a person's life, they're not going to see. To see means to look at or to behold. So without the effect of the holiness of God in your life, you're never going to see God. Matthew 5, 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, I believe if a person under, doesn't have an understanding of that God is holy, there isn't any hope. They're without hope. If they're just trusting in God, just a God of love, they've got a perverted understanding of who God is. You know, the sad thing is many gospel tracts and gospel presentations being taught and practiced today are missing this vital part of the knowledge of God. You know, Isaiah 6.3 says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Isaiah 57.15 says that he is the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity whose name is Holy. It's a name of God. The word holy there is capitalized. It's a name of God. It's who he is. You Nowhere in the Bible say that God is love, love, love. And his love is determined by his holiness. Not vice versa. So, again, God is known. The way we make God known, God is known by his holiness. He's known by his holiness. So, if we make him known as we declare him to a lost and dying world, they need to understand that God is is a God of holiness. And that our sin separates us from God and sin has a penalty and sin must be paid for with a satisfactory payment to God. With a holy sacrifice.
Uh, we have a wonderful God. God wants us to know him. We need, we need to have a right understanding of who he is. You know, isn't it wonderful that we can know a holy and righteous God, have a relationship with him, have knowledge of him, And we can declare him to a world that knows him not. Might God help us to declare him. He is a God of holiness. A God who also paid the penalty for our sin. That we might have life in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time in your word tonight. Thank you for the instruction, the challenge it gives to us. And Father, I pray that you help us to seriously consider your holiness in light of how we witness to those around us that know thee not. Father, I pray that you help us to clearly um, declare that you are a holy and righteous God, but yet you're also a loving and forgiving God. But you have a standard. And that standard of righteousness is met in a person, your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be faithful witnesses for you. We pray in Jesus' name.